gonna start now. Hey, 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 I'm gonna start now. Okay, so tonight I'm gonna be talking about Ruth. Who here has ever read the book of you, Ruth? It's not that large of a book, so that's why I say book, because you wouldn't just read one chapter of Ruth. It is a very, very good book of the Bible, so I would definitely recommend it. It's one of the best all-time love stories in the world, I'm convinced. It's very, very beautiful, as long as you understand what a Kingsman Redeemer is. So um, I'm just going to tell you guys, just if you guys have never read the story, just a general overview of the setting, because I don't want to read too much of the scripture at the beginning. So I'm just going to read my notes for this. It says, uh, it's... Starts in Bethlehem in Israel, which is, if you guys didn't know, that's where Jesus was born. Uh, during the time of the judges, which was, if you guys don't know this, the time of the judges was a time in Israel's history where Israel would, like, screw up really, really, really bad and really mess up. And then God would send a judge to basically tell Israel, like, things are going to get really crappy and, like, like, things would really be terrible. Judges would rise up and then defeat the enemies. And then after they defeat the enemies, things would be good in Israel for a while. And then they'd be crappy again. And then they'd have to deal with it again. And then another judge would rise up. And this was kind of a, a pattern for a long time in Israel's history. So this takes place when Israel was, like, doing crappy things again, really screwing the pooch. And then... Uh, they had to have some consequences for that. So in this case, the consequence was that um, everything, all their crops didn't really, they didn't have good harvest and they were kind of starving at the time. So because of that, this chick, Naomi, and her husband, Elimelech, Elimelech, there it is, Elimelech, leave because of the famine. And so they didn't have any food, so they left to go to a place called Moab. And um, they left, and they had two sons. So when they get over to Moab, Elimelech dies. And then after he dies, his sons die. And so all that's left is this chick, Naomi, and she has two daughters-in-law. And these daughters-in-law are both from Moab. So does that make sense? So there's Elimelech and his wife. They have two sons. They go over there. Their sons get married. Elimelech dies. So does the sons. So now Naomi only has these two daughters-in-law, and in that time, it meant that they were, like, doomed. I mean, to be honest, in a lot of ways, especially if they were in Moab, it meant that they were doomed because she didn't have any way to reproduce children to give to these women to have as offspring so that way they could reproduce. So really, a lot of their livelihood was in jeopardy and in danger. So she's left with these two girls, and then she hears that God has blessed Israel again. So they pack up all their stuff in Moab, and they're getting ready to set sail to go back to Israel. And so when they were on their way back, Naomi's like, girls, it's been rough. It's been a terrible one. It's been a long journey. But listen, it's not a good time. You should not come back with me. You guys should go back to your families, and hopefully you'll get married again and you'll be able to start again. This has been a rough time. Sorry about it. Go back to your home. And so I wanted to talk about faith tonight because I want to talk about um, specifically Naomi's, uh, Naomi and her relationship with Ruth, which is one of these girls that her, her child married. And I think it's really important that we discuss it at the beginning because this was not a good situation. This was a destitute 
situation. And so this really speaks to the part of us who really feel like we're in a destitute place or a hopeless place. So I want to talk about faith. This whole series is all about faith. It's all about young faith. And so I wanted to talk about Ruth, mostly because Ruth was somebody that you look at this. There it is. Uh, Ruth is somebody that you look at who did not come from a lineage who would have really um, known and observed Jewish customs. She's somebody who had really young faith because she didn't know the Lord. She didn't grow up with the Lord. And we see her faith really be very beautiful in this. So I'm just going to pray us in, and then I'm going to get started. Uh, God, I just thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for your peace and that, um, God, it's just such a joy to talk about you and to tell people about who you are. And, and God, I just pray that you would be with us tonight. I pray that you would uh, be teaching us about faith and how easy it is to apply to our lives. And just, I pray that you would help us to understand areas of our lives that we can grow in this respect. And I pray that you would just be with us. In your name, amen. Okay, so Hebrews 11 talks about faith, and that's where we get a lot of our ideas as what faith is. And it talks about how it's, have you guys ever heard this verse? It's the evidence of things not seen, you know that verse? Um, And that's a really hard thing to really grasp because it's the evidence of things not seen. How many of you, when you hear that, know what it's talking about? The evidence of things not seen. That's a really difficult term to grasp. But I have a really easy way for you guys to understand what it is, and it's through the idea of pregnancy. So if you guys obviously have never been pregnant before, but uh, when you get pregnant, you do not look pregnant, you do not feel pregnant, nothing about you feels any different. The only way that you know that you're pregnant is because a test says that you're pregnant. You do not get fat right away. (laughs) That does not happen for a while, baby. (laughs) So at the beginning when you get pregnant, the only way that you know you're pregnant is because a test says you are. And these tests can go like up to 10 days before you ever have a missed period. So because of that, this test will tell you really, really early on. And so the only way, the only evidence you have is this test. So I really think that this is a beautiful illustration of faith. Why? (laughs) This is a really beautiful illustration of faith because you believe that you're pregnant just because a test says that you are. You don't feel pregnant. Nothing about you looks pregnant. No, not necessarily. People who want to get pregnant will be taking pregnancy tests as soon as they can to find out if they're pregnant. So... Your situation, no. A lot of people my age situation, yes. (laughs) You will be taking a test before you have a missed period. So all that I'm saying is that if you think about it in terms of pregnancy, it's a lot easier to kind of understand. Because if you think about it, the only evidence that you have that you're pregnant is that the test in this reference would be the Bible. So the Bible or God would tell you so. So if God has told you something, like maybe it's that you just don't feel lovable. Um, And if you don't feel lovable, you're like, nothing about my life makes me feel like I'm lovable. My parents don't show me that I'm lovable. I don't feel that in the inside. And everybody around me makes me feel like I'm just not lovable. But God 
says so. The test says so. So faith says that even if there's no evidence around me, even if everybody that I know doesn't show me that I'm loved, even if I don't even feel like I'm loved, the test says that I'm loved. So I'm going to believe the test. Does that make sense? So this is a really easy way to kind of grasp the idea of faith is, is does the test tell me that? Does the Bible tell me that, that I'm loved? Does the Bible tell me that I have a future? Does the Bible tell me that I can grow and, and actually respect my parents? Does the Bible tell me that? Because if you learn to trust this thing above what everything around you, even sometimes what's in you says, then that's faith. That is the foundation of what we believe. So tonight I want to talk about that because Ruth is a really beautiful example of that. We're going to start it off in Ruth 1, 8 through 13. But on the way, so this is after she tells them that life sucks, go home. Um, But on the way, Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who would grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters. Return to your parents' homes. I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight to bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and then refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. It's rough. Naomi. (laughs) Naomi literally gives her no reason to go with her. She's like, listen, I have nothing for you. Even if I were to get married, even if I were to bear sons, they would be like little babies and you would be waiting for them to grow up and get married to them. And that's really weird. Would you really wait and not marry somebody else instead of these sons that I theoretically could have one day? Absolutely not. You should go home. And so Naomi gave her not just not good reasons to go with her, but gave them literally no reason to go with her. Um, Even what she said, even she said that it was a waste of time for, for their hopes. She said, don't have hope in this. There's no hope for you. And this is, really reminds me of the way that the world views our situations when we come into a desolate place. Um, the world views faith like a waste of time and a waste of our efforts. So when we go into a place where we look at, maybe it's our relationship with our parents, and we look at our relationship with our parents, the world wants to make you feel like it's a waste of your time and a waste of your effort to have a good relationship with your parents or your siblings. Um, but a life of faith says something else. Um, the risk versus the benefit is a completely different thing when you look at, when you look at faith. Um, God will ask you to do things where the risk does outweigh the benefit in your life. There will be times where faith feels like it's fighting wisdom. Because sometimes wisdom says, wait a little longer till you're older. Sometimes wisdom says to keep it safe where there's risk. And 
Wisdom sometimes says wait till you're more mature to start doing something that matters. But that's not always the right answer in our lives. There are realities about Christianity that you're never going to be safe to start doing. There are things about our faith that if you're waiting for the perfect moment, that is literally never going to come. It's just not. And so we have to be people who looks at what the world would say is wisdom, and we need to say, where is God in this? Because sometimes wisdom and doing the right thing and waiting is of the Lord. There's a time for that. There's a space for that. But like I said, in Christianity, there will be things that you need to start activating, and there's never going to be a good time for that. Like, there's never going to be a good time to start talking to people who are lost about Jesus. There's never going to be a good time for that. It's not going to be like, well, one day I hope that they just say, hey, are you a Christian? How about if you talk to me about Jesus? I'm ready to get saved. That moment might literally never come for you. There are aspects about Christianity that you have to say the wisdom here versus the the risk versus the benefit. There's going to be greater risk than there is benefit. When it comes to evangelism, the risk is always going to be greater in your mind than the benefit in the moment. But the, but the long-term effects of it will produce fruit that way outweighs the risk. So sometimes faith fights wisdom. Luke 14 talks about the idea of the cost about following Jesus. And it really does say that the cost is high. It says that when you follow Jesus, we have to be somebody who, who, looks, at the, who looks at the land we have, looks at how much it is to... to build the building we're looking for, and to really count that cost because it's high. And it says that people will mock you if you start to build the house, but you don't finish it. People will mock you for that. And that is so true. If you've ever been in a season where you felt like you've been close to the Lord, and then you've gone through a season where you've drifted, and people are like, you're a Christian? And they mock you. They'll mock you for that. I know I've been through a season where people have told me that. And it is embarrassing. What? No, that's, yeah, I mean, I get, like, the reasons, top ten reasons thing, yeah. <laughs> but in reality, it's, it's really embarrassing when you do not count the costs in following Jesus, and then you do something that is not Christ-like, and somebody catches you in it, it is embarrassing. And your family will always catch you first, and it is the worst. <laughs> Uh, Jesus also told parables about something similar in Matthew, and I wanted to bring it up. Hey, can everybody kind of focus in? This time will take 15 minutes. So I really need you guys to focus in for 15 minutes. You guys can do that. I believe in you. Okay. Matthew 13, 45 and 46 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who in finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. The merchant buying the pearl sold everything he had to get it. And this is likened to our faith. This is likened to our salvation in the kingdom of heaven. It says this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You have to take everything. There will be seasons of your life where it requires a lot of you to give up in exchange for it. This will cost you relationships, This will cost you your emotions. This will cost you your decisions that you make. 
but it is the pearl of great price. And there have been, I know that there's some of you here that you've been searching. You've been searching for something that's going to fill you. You feel like you're that merchant, that you've been searching for a pearl of great price. You've been looking for something to fill a void that's inside of you. And when you come into places of faith, when you interact with people who have faith, you feel that call on the inside of you. And so when you come into places like this, you feel like the merchant who's searching, who's found a great pearl. But that pearl costs him everything. But it says it's his joy to get it. And that's what Ruth did. And that's what faith is. So the second thing that, faith, that Ruth's faith looked like, the first thing, if you guys remember, would be it looked like a waste of time and a waste of effort. And the second thing is that it looks like a foolish dedication. Ruth 1, 14 through 18 says, And again, they wept together. And Orpha, that's the other daughter-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And, I will, and there I will be buried. She's like, I'm, I'm going to have a headstone right next to yours, girlfriend. <laughs> May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. This is an insane dedication. I don't know many daughters who would say this about their mother-in-law. <laughs> Nonetheless, just any older person in general. In general. John, I love you, but I don't want to be buried next to you. <laughs> Homebro, I don't want to be buried next to it. I want, I want to be, like, thrown into a river with, like, ashes or something. I don't want to be buried next to anyone. <laughs> Maybe not then. Maybe just, like, dug next to the river. Anyway, okay, okay, okay. This is a beautiful example of Ruth being 100% sold out. No one could convince her to do anything else. And this is wild because she was not just an Israelite woman. She was a Moabite woman. So this was not her people. And she saw something in the faith of Naomi, which is wild because she was a bitter woman. But even a bitter Christian has more hope than an unsaved person. It's just the truth. And Naomi, while she might have been bitter... God hadn't given up on her. And this whole story, I really believe, is not actually about Ruth, but it's about Naomi. And so, um, okay, so Ruth's faith in God was greater than Naomi's in this moment, even though she was much younger, even though her faith was a lot more um, raw and a little bit more um, not, she didn't have the background that Naomi had. She was still had more faith in her. She believed beyond her circumstances. And that's the next thing that I wanted to mention. The foolish dedication um, believes beyond your circumstances. And that's what faith does. It reminds me of another parable that comes directly before the one about the pearl. And actually that whole chapter is like beautiful little gold line about faith. 
But in Matthew 13, 44, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And I, I just feel like that man looked like a fool until he had uncovered the treasure he had found. And there are times in your life where the decisions that you make might feel foolish. They might feel foolish to you, like it's crazy to me that I'm selling everything for this. Or it might look foolish to the world where they're like, how could you sell everything that you have to move, to, to move and, and have this thing? When I moved to Minnesota, my family thought I was a fool. They were like, why are you leaving Montana to go live in a city? That's the dumbest decision you could make. Don't you know people rob you there? <laughs> it's literally the way, when you live in Montana, you like view the city as the Antichrist. So like, <laughs> when I moved to Minneapolis and I went to move closer to Isaac, my mom was like, please, can you please just find a nice Montana boy? Please don't move. And uh, <laughs> there is nice Montana boys, but not for me. Anyway, anyway, um, when I moved to Minneapolis, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, okay, listen to me. I need you guys to hone in. Jada, do you need to be moved, girly? I appreciate it, but you're not just writing notes, and I need you to pay attention. <laughs> Okay, listen to me. There will be times, like when I moved to Minneapolis, that people around you will say that it's a foolish decision. When I, lived, when I moved there, even I was like, what am I doing? Am I crazy? I don't, I've never driven in a city. I had this little stick shift Ford Focus, and it was really small, and I was not used to driving a manual. Nonetheless, driving a manual through traffic with like six lanes on each side. It was terrifying to me because I had, I mean, if you've ever used a stick shift, using it through traffic is a little bit more intimidating. And to move to a city where people are constantly merging and taking out and like trying to cut in front of you, it was intimidating. And my family said that I was crazy for going there. But here's the thing. I was 100% sold out to what God had told me. And God had told me to move. And I believed that beyond my circumstances. And there will be times in your life where you guys have to start believing beyond your circumstances. Okay. Romans 4, 16 and 17 says, so the promise is received by faith. You guys hear that? Has God given you guys any promises in your lives? Because if he has, listen to this. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, which is just a law that, that the Jews believe. We're really not. We don't live by that law here. But So this is the thing, is that whether or not we believe in that law, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abra can, Isaac, can you get me a water? Um, I am parched. So parched. Get me a fan. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, 
I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings, listen to this, hey, that is Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of the foundation of, oh wait, out of, where is that? Three, four, out of nothing, there it is. It was like one word on the top of my notes. (laughs) Did you guys hear that? The God we serve is a God who creates things out of nothing. Some of you feel like you have nothing, and God wants to create new things in that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. This is really important, you guys, because the foundation of our entire religion is faith. There's a reason why we call it faith. Like, that's what we named our religion in some ways, is faith. And the the thing is that this is not just an aspect of our religion. This is the foundation of our religion, is faith. You need faith for prayer, okay? Have you guys ever heard the verse that says, seek and you will find, ask and it will be open to you? That's the idea of faith, implementing faith and saying, God, I'm asking about this, I am seeking about this, and I know that from that moment of faith where I am meeting with you and asking you for things, that you will respond in the presence of God. So that's, that's an aspect of our faith, is prayer. Another aspect is salvation. The Bible says that we believe through faith. Through faith. So like when we believe that we have it, that's when we have it. Isn't that wild? The entire Bible is activated by our faith. So when you read something in the Bible and it feels like it's not true, you can believe in that it's true above your circumstances and that's the moment that this is talking about, that you have it. It says, Abraham, who literally had no child, his wife was beyond childbearing age, and, sh- and he believed that even though he had nothing, that God was going to give him something. And God was faithful to create something out of nothing. So here's what I'm saying. You feel like you have a terrible relationship with your family? Your answer is actually faith. You feel like that you aren't saved and you, like, I went through this season when I was like 12 years old where I was constantly scared that I wasn't saved. And I would just pray every night that God would save my soul because I just did not even believe that I was saved. And I would pray every night that God would save me. But listen to me, it's because I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that I was saved. And your salvation is activated through faith. It's just believing that you have it and then he gives it to you. And that's what faith is. It's the foundation of every single thing that we do. It's To obey your parents takes faith. To believe that he's going to work things out and he's going to use your parents. Sometimes it feels like a miracle that God is going to use your parents to bring blessing in your life. Sometimes that feels like a miracle. But God is faithful to do it. To hear God's voice takes faith. The amount of times where I'm like, God, is that you? But just you got to have faith that it's actually him talking to you. There was one time that I saw a butterfly and I was like, 
I don't know if this is God or if it's not God. And then I saw another, another butterfly. And I was like, I just believe that's God. I just believe it's God. I don't know why I believe that's God, but I believe that he's trying to get my attention for something. And to hear God's voice in that moment took faith for me. Speaking in tongues takes faith. To become righteous, we have to have faith. Did you know that the Bible says that in order to have righteousness, we have to have faith? Do you guys even believe that? To be righteous means to like be made whole and to be made right standing with God. In order to be in right standing with God, you do not have to do an action. You do not have to have three Hail Marys or whatever it is. You do not have to try to be a good person. You do not have to live a good life. You don't have to stop cussing. You want to know what you have to do to be righteous? You have to have faith. You have to have faith. That is the foundation of every single promise that God has given us in the Bible. Even to have joy takes faith. Even to have joy. So I want you guys to think about your lives and the holes that you have in your lives. The ways in your lives that you have been a merchant who've been searching for a pearl to fill it. And I want you to recognize tonight that all of those things in your life that you've been struggling with, that thing that keeps you up at night, like I just feel so sad all the time and I don't even know why. I feel like I'm just depressed and there's not even any reason for it and I don't wanna make anybody feel bad because it's nobody's fault. The answer to that is faith. The answer to all of your issues really does come down to faith. It comes down to faith. Because faith is looking at a situation that you're in that feels hopeless. And it says that it's not over. That it's not over. That God can create something out of nothing. So if you're in a, in a situation, in a tight spot tonight, and you came here and you're like, this situation feels hopeless. Faith is looking at that situation that feels hopeless and not addressing the situation because obviously there's room for that but it's looking at the situation and say man this situation feels hopeless but i believe that god is bigger than my circumstances i believe that he's going to create something out of nothing i believe that he's going to put joy in my heart i believe that he makes me righteous i believe that god wants to exchange all of my pain and he wants to give me joy that's what faith is and that is what ruth did Faith is actually the currency that the kingdom of God uses. So I want you guys to think about it like this. Like, say this is faith. This is my faith, and this faith can say, you know what? I'd really like Jordan's hat. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, You know, I'd really like Isaac's Bible. Thank you. I appreciate that. Faith is that. You can have every single thing that the Bible actually says you can have. And the only thing that you got to have is faith. You can keep that. (laughs) Faith is the currency. And it is free currency that we have. It's like, it's like in Monopoly where they give you like funny money and then you get to buy all these things, except the things are real in real life. So we take this funny Monopoly money and we exchange it for real things like hope and destiny. We exchange it for things like good relationships with our family members. We exchange it for things like joy and hope and peace, all of the things that are fruits of the Spirit. We can exchange all that stuff with something that we get for free because it was bought with the blood of Jesus. 
So here's the thing. It doesn't actually take anything to start using this currency. You can start tonight. If you see a hole in your life, you can start tonight to start to use this currency. You don't have to work up to it. You don't have to like do some sort of an act. You don't have to like wait for a better life. You don't have to wait to be single or to be married. You don't have to wait till you have more time or that you pray for enough times that he hears you. You don't have to work up to it at all. There is no precursor. Faith is actually the catalyst. So if you came tonight and you say, this really resounds in me. I see all these areas in my life where I just feel like sad or I just feel really anxious. I feel like my relationship with my family or I just feel like I need a job because I literally have no money and I want to do so many things this summer. You can start tonight using this currency to exchange for the things Jesus died to give you because it's the catalyst. All you need to do is believe that if you put yourself out on a limb tonight, listen to me, you guys, all you have to do tonight is believe that if you put yourself out on a limb, that he is going to meet you there, that he is going to meet you there. So I want you to think about the thing that you've been scared to, to go out on a limb about. I want you to think about that thing, and I want you to know that if you do that and you take a step, a step of faith, then he is going to meet you there. Because sometimes we'll feel this wall between us and God. And that wall we put up ourselves because we don't want to have to feel unsafe. We don't want to have to feel like we, don't ha- like we have to be unstable. So we stay in this place, and in doing so, we put up a wall between us and God. And the only person who can break down that wall is you. It's not going to be God. I know some of us have been waiting for it to be God to break down that wall. But our God is not a forceful angry, vengeful God. He is a kind, generous God, and he's going to wait for you to tell him you're ready. Does that make sense? So tonight, if you came here tonight, I just want you guys to know that he's not going to force himself on you, but he is waiting for you to go out on a limb so he can meet you there. Hebrews 11.6 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So that's the thing. Do you believe that verse? When you read that verse, that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, do you believe that? This is where the rubber meets the road, right? This is where we recognize, do I actually believe what the Bible says? Because he really does reward you if you diligently seek him. Ruth experiences this later in the book. Uh, Ruth did have a reward for diligently seeking God, and that, that reward trickled into Naomi, it trickled into Boaz, it trickled into the lineage of Christ, it trickled into so many different people. But I just wanted to read... Ruth 2, 10 through 12. Okay. Ruth fell at his, meaning Boaz, at Boaz's feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. 
I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. And God did reward her fully for what she had done. Ruth saw the goodness of God. She saw the goodness of God in the land of the living, like, like Psalms talks about. And if you would ask him to tonight, girls and boys, if you would, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. If you would ask him to pick you up and put you on a rock, he will. If you would ask him to give you peace, he will. If you would ask him to save you, he will, because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he longs to give you the promises he died to give you. Sometimes we think he's being stingy. You know, like Jesus is up there like, if they just pray enough, maybe I'll answer their prayer request. This one's yes. You prayed enough. (laughs) But that's not how he acts. God is longing to give you the gifts that he died for. He wouldn't have died for them if he wasn't longing to give them to you. Amen? So if he is longing to give them to you, all you have to do is ask him for it. All you have to do is have faith that he's going to reward you for seeking him. So I want you guys to start looking at your lives differently and looking at God differently because he is not stingy. He's not angry. He's not waiting for you to mess up. He longs for you to go and break down this wall you have between him and take one step towards him so that way he can show you his goodness. So I want you guys to pray about that tonight. And I want you guys, sometimes we can leave this place and we can go home and forget literally everything we learned about tonight. (laughs) But I want you guys to really recognize that this is the reality of our faith. That this is, this is what I've said. It's our faith. This is the faith. Meaning, this is the foundation of everything we have. And if you're somebody who does not have actual faith in God, then you actually, you have no currency in the kingdom. So start having faith so that way you can have currency. He does not care about your sacrifices. He does not care about just like, doing all these works to live a good life, that actually doesn't matter. The currency is faith. Now, obviously, from faith comes actions, but faith is always the catalyst. So I wanted to pray about that, and then we're going to break up into some groups. God, I just thank you so much that you've made it so easy for us. And while it feels really difficult for us to just get over ourselves, get over our pride. I just pray that you would give us grace. Give us grace to see our lives the way that you see it. Give us grace to just, to just start activating faith in our lives. I pray that, um, that if, we, if we're somebody who has struggled this week, just mentally, physically, if we're somebody who's struggled with our relationships where we feel like we're fighting all the time, whether it's inside of us or outside of us, I pray that you would just help us take the load off of ourselves, that we actually don't have to just struggle trying to fix ourselves, but we can just look at you and believe you and that you will take us on a journey.
And so God, I just pray that, um, that you would just give us faith. God, I pray that you would activate faith in our hearts.